0: Let me set up Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 19. And it's going to launch us into a study really kind of all over Scripture this morning. And so if you're a note taker, today's a good day to take notes. I hope what I give you today will be helpful to you, no matter what you're going through in life right now, or maybe what somebody else in your life is going through. I hope what we talk about today will be a blessing to you. All right, Acts chapter 14 starts with this curious odd story where Paul and Barnabas go into this town Lystra, and they, through the power of Jesus Christ, heal a man who can't walk. They tell him to get up and walk, and he does. He hops up and walks. And everybody's amazed by what they've just seen, as as you would be. And they think that Paul and Barnabas must be God's. And so they start to worship them. And Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. But they start to worship them. They want to make sacrifices to him. Paul and Barnabas are trying to stop them from doing this. It's getting out of hand really quickly. And at that moment, a group of Jews show up in Lystra. And just like this, they turn the tide in the, in the audience. And suddenly everybody who loved these guys turns on them. And so we're going to pick up here at Acts chapter 14, verse 19. sorry, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and they won the crowd over and they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Maybe some of you are new to church, a stoning is exactly what it sounds like. A bunch of people gather around you with rocks in their hands and throw them at you until you are dead. And apparently Paul is so injured, so hurt they think he's dead. All right. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city, and they won a large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples. How? By encouraging them to remain true to the faith. That's the general message. What's the specific message? What was the substance of that encouragement? This is it. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in the church with prayer and fasting. They committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. All right, Uh, let's talk about this for a second. Paul suffers badly. And then he goes right back to the church. He's still got scars on his body, still got wounds on his body. He suffers badly. And then he says, oh yeah, about that, you must suffer too. I hear that and it reminds me of what Jesus said about Paul. Do you remember this? When Jesus calls Paul, when he's still Saul on the Damascus road, he tells Ananias who he sends to Saul or Paul as we know him. And he says, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. And I see those two, those two words about how we must suffer reminds me of what Jesus said about us. He said, in this world, you will, you will have trouble. I was talking about these passages with a friend the other day and kind of offhanded, I said, I wish somebody would sit down with Jesus and Paul and tell them about the words, maybe, might, may, you might have trouble. There's none of that. You must suffer. You will have trouble. Paul says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Apparently, it is not an if you'll suffer. It's what? When. When you'll suffer. And so today, what I want to do is I want to ask the question that is on our hearts when we read something like that. And the question is, why? Why must we suffer? Now, this is a topic I could spend, you know, hours and sermons on. This is a topic that and you know, no, uh, no limit uh, number of books have been written on, including this book, about, which is in many ways about why we suffer in this life. We can talk about this for a long time. I'm not gonna cover everything. What I'm gonna try to do is to give you something memorable and helpful. Whether you're suffering right now, whether someone you know is suffering, I'm just going to try to condense what is broad and expansive into something that's memorable and helpful. And let me offer one caveat at the beginning, and this in some ways is an instruction to you as much as it is to me. It's worth pointing out that Paul doesn't preach about suffering right after someone else has suffered. You know, he doesn't go up to some other guy who's just been stoned and who's laying on the ground bleeding and be like, hey, buddy. You know why this happened? Let me tell you, you know. He suffers and then speaks from his experience about how we all must suffer too. It's just a helpful reminder that if you know somebody else who's really going through it, that perhaps you just need to be with them and to listen. But at some point, and it nearly always happens, at some point they reach that moment where they ask, Why? And at that moment, I hope what we talk about today will be helpful. Again, I'm trying to summarize it all down into something memorable and simple. And I think when Scripture talks about why we suffer, and again, it's, it's broad and it's expansive, I think generally it falls into three reasons or categories. So we're going we're to look at them here on the screen. Why do we suffer? And we're going to talk about each this morning. Number one, Our souls the forming and making of our souls. This is by far the largest category when Scripture talks about suffering. So we're going to save that for last. Talk about it third. Number two, sin. Our suffering is often the result of sin. Others and our own. Talk about that in just a second. And number three, Satan. The great enemy has a hand in much of what we suffer. Okay, when I started this sermon, I didn't mean for everything to start with an S, I promise you. Um, Originally, I had why suffering, formation, sin, and Satan, and you were just not going to remember that. Okay, so souls are the making of souls, sin, and Satan. I hope you remember. Let's talk about sin first and how it connects to why we suffer. The Bible makes it really clear that the world that you and I enjoy was made good. You remember that language from Genesis? God made this world and it was good. And in his good world, suffering was not a part of it. Suffering wasn't a part of it. But then sin enters this world and with sin comes suffering. That's how Paul describes it in Romans 5. Again, if you're a note taker, this is the morning to write some of these things down in the back of your Bible, some of these passages, because we're going to be kind of all over the place. Romans 5.12, look at this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, who's the one man? Adam, the first man. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in scripture, death is often synonymous with suffering or death is kind of the big brother suffering the little brother of death. Just as sin entered the world through one man and death right behind it through sin. In this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Paul goes on to try to explain this in Romans chapter 8, verses 21 and 22, and he gives two images there that may be helpful for seeing this. He says, because of this creation, what God has made good, is now in bondage to decay. It's falling apart. And then he uses another image or metaphor. He says, the whole creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth i haven't given birth to any kids i've been in the room it looks painful okay and that metaphor is really helpful because it's a reminder Okay, that not only is the world going through something really difficult right now, something that often hurts, but that great blessing is often on the other side of it. Are you with me? Okay, we're going to end there. That's where we're heading this morning. But let's first talk about that first image. Sin entered the world, death came with it, and now all of creation is in bondage to decay. You may remember, back in COVID, we were worshiping online and... um, Russ and I would, would meet up once a week, we were masked and say distant from each other, and we would try to find different places to shoot the sermons in that we would record and send out. And so one of those times, you may remember this, we recorded in a computer lab at Harding Academy. Big props to Harding Academy for letting us use their computer lab. You remember this, we had computers behind us. The screensavers were moving around the whole time. I remember thinking it was super distracting once I saw, okay. And the reason we shot there is we were trying to answer the question of why COVID-19, which is a big question. Okay, But we we're just trying to think about biblically why there is suffering that affects the whole world. And we went to this passage. Because what Paul's describing here is much like a computer virus that gets in your system. Um, you get an email from the king of Zaire and he promises you a million dollars if you'll just click on this link, okay? And you're like, dude, that sounds great. I've been waiting on this email. And you click on that link and then a virus enters the system. And suddenly it's not just your email that's not working. Microsoft Word won't work, iTunes won't work, your internet browser doesn't work. The whole system is in bondage to decay, okay? The whole system's falling apart and broken, okay? And another illustration of this that I didn't use at the time because we were dealing with COVID-19 is, is like your body, which probably 90% of the time is good and healthy, and then you get a cold or you get sick, and suddenly you feel bad. A friend of mine is training for a marathon. He's up running six, seven miles, and he got a cold, and he went out and tried to run one mile and had to stop and walk, All right, okay. because it affects the whole system when you get sick. Okay, so that's really how scripture talks about sin. Sin isn't just something bad that you do, although sin is that. Sin is an infection, a sickness in the whole system. And so, in some ways, it's not just humans that are affected by sin, it's the environment, the weather sicknesses, illnesses, tsunamis, tornadoes, that all of that is related to a good world getting broken by a bad virus. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? So sometimes we suffer because sin is in the world and this world is not how it's supposed to be, which makes us long for sin to be dealt with and this world to be made right. Right? doesn't it? Okay. That's number one or number two on our list. We're talking about it first. But Jesus says, hey, it's not always sin that causes your suffering. You may remember that one time these guys come to Jesus and there's this um, man who's born blind and they're like, hey, was this guy born like this because his parents sinned? Who sinned? It's Somebody sinned, clearly, or else he wouldn't be suffering. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it doesn't have anything to do with that sometimes. He says, sometimes it's like this. And he tells a story. And that story is in Matthew 13. And so if you're a note taker, again, you might write down Matthew 13. It's one of the most important passages about suffering in all of scripture. He tells a story. He says, there's this guy who owned a field. He's the owner of the field. And he had servants who worked for him in this field every day. And man, they did a good job. The field was planted with this beautiful wheat. It was growing. It was great. Going to be a great harvest. And they go to sleep one night just feeling good about their field. And they wake up in the morning and there are weeds in the wheat field. Growing right along with the wheat. And the servants immediately turn on the master. And they say, you did this, didn't you? And the master says, whoa, 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 I didn't do this. I didn't do this. Remember what he says? He says, an enemy did this. An enemy did this. And then he talks to the servants. They have this discussion about should they go in and try to cut out all the weeds? And he's like, no, 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 because you're going to cut down the good stuff too. But just wait in the end. I'm going to separate the weeds from the wheat at the harvest. I'm going to throw away the weeds. I'm going to keep the wheat.' Okay. And then he explains the parable. He doesn't always do this, but this time he does. And this is what he says, Matthew 13, verse 37. He says this, "'The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man, "'the field is the world, "'and the good seed stands for the people of his kingdom. "'The weeds are the people of the evil one, "'and the enemy who sows them is the devil.'" The harvest is at the end of the age. The harvesters, they're the angels. And as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Look at that. Jesus is saying two really important things here. Number one, sometimes when you suffer, It's because we have an enemy. You may remember Paul says in Ephesians six, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the ruler of this present age, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's who we're actually up against. And sometimes those forces, including Satan himself, will cause us pain. But the second thing he says is, hey, about him, satan about the sin and suffering that he causes i am going to deal with him i promise one of my favorite preachers he says it like this he says the devil has only two weapons pain and pleasure he will either hurt you so bad that you hate god or he will give you so much pleasure you don't need god And the solution to both is the same. God is more precious to me than what I lose. And God is more precious to me than what I gain. Mm. Mm. So when Jesus is asked about suffering, he says, no, it's not always sin that causes it. Sometimes it's the enemy. It's Satan. And you need to be aware of that. But that brings us to this we're going to call our third reason and what is by far the most significant reason for suffering in scripture. Um, and that is the forming or making of our souls. How many of you watched The Office? Anybody w- willing to raise your hand and hear that you watched The Office? Okay. How many of you have ever been untrue, un- unhonest, not honest, dishonest at church, right? All right. There's a character in the office named Dwight Schrute, okay? Dwight's a crazy character. He's played by a guy named Rain Wilson. And Rain Wilson in real life is a really deep and thoughtful guy. And he is a member of what we call the Baha'i faith, which is kind of a conglomeration of, of nearly every other world religion out there, including Christianity. And recently I was listening to a really fascinating interview with him. He was being interviewed by a Christian that I really respect and admire, and the Christian was like, well, in your worldview or in your faith, what do you think about the afterlife? Or what do you think about this life and how it connects to the afterlife? And he said, well, we tell a parable and the parable is really good. And it's really had me thinking. He says, it's like this. Imagine that you could go and you could have a conversation with a baby in its mother's womb. And you were to go to that baby who's growing there for nine months and you were to say, why on earth are you growing ears? He'd be like, I have no idea. And you were to say, Why do you have eyes? He'd say, I don't know. He'd say, Well, these things, hands, what do you need those for? He's like, I don't need them. I just hit my mom with them all day long. Like, I don't need these. Right? Okay, but once that baby is born, he's sure gonna be glad he has what? Ears and eyes and hands. And Rain Wilson said, We kind of think about it like that, that this Earth, our experience here is like being formed in the womb and growing what we need for the next life where we'll appreciate it. And in some ways, that's a very Christian image. So come with me here. This is Hebrews 12.10. We read this, God disciplines us. So sometimes it's God. God disciplines us, why? For our good in order that we may share in his holiness. The point is suffering sometimes is getting us ready to be with God. It's growing little ears and eyes on our souls that we'll use in the next life. Sometimes we suffer because it gets us ready for the next life. But unlike Dwight Schroot's parable, in Christianity, suffering's also giving you what you need for this life. That's the difference. So come with me here. This is 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. Listen to this. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. If you think nobody in Scripture has ever had it as bad as you, listen to those words. We despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but... This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. It's forming their souls. Paul says this from Romans 5, not only so, we glory in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Uh, Parents, think with me about this for a second. Uh, you're trying to form your kids to be ready for the world that you're gonna launch them into. Am I right? And so how do you form them? Well, you, you give them some things, you put them in school, but also you know in your heart that they need to go through a couple hard things. If they're gonna form resilience, character, toughness. I've got this pipe dream. I would love to take my kids on a hike of the Appalachian Trail. All right. I'm saying it out loud, so someday my elders are gonna to come to me and be like, Eric, we want you to take three months off and just go hike, okay? All right, I wanna do it, not just because it'd be fun to go hike the Appalachian Trail, because it would be good for my kids to have some blisters, to twist their ankle, to carry a heavy pack, up a hill, right? That produces in you character. Yesterday, we, we got home. We had been out of town. And there was all those storms this week. And so we got home. And our yard and home, it looked like a vacant lot. There were limbs down everywhere. Grass was growing up. And so yesterday morning, we get the kids up, and we're like, okay, your job, boys, is to go pick up sticks in the yard so Dad can mow. It's going to take them like two minutes. You're going to go pick up sticks. No. No, no Dad. <laughs> okay, right? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, parents? All right. It's gonna take you two minutes. Apparently, they need to pick up more sticks, right? Okay, why? Because doing something hard produces in us character, right? It forms our souls. If God was going to make a world that would make us how he wants us, would that world not include difficulty? Would it not include difficulty? Charles Spurgeon said, there are no crown wearers in heaven who were not first cross bearers here below. It's a good line. All right, so this is why, this is, in my estimation, kind of the big picture of why we suffer. Our souls, sin in the system, and the work of Satan. But really, let me, let me be really honest with you. Scripture cares, frankly, less about why we suffer and more about how we suffer, You may notice here in this passage that Paul suffers. He's still got bruises. He's still bleeding. He gets up and he preaches. And based on what these people have seen and how he suffered, a great number of them are converted. He preached to one a large number of disciples. You see that? And he goes and he preaches to everybody who's been baptized into Christ, all these Christians, right after this suffering. And he strengthens the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to their faith. I mean, the message is you can go through suffering and not lose your faith, okay? It's not just why we suffer, it's how we suffer, and you can suffer well because of Christ. Paul says this, this is 2 Thessalonians 3.3, and if you're going to text a friend this afternoon who's going through it, this is the cheat code right here. You send them this. This is the text. He says this to a group of Christians who are suffering in 2 Thessalonians. He says this, May the Lord, in your suffering, direct your hearts into two things, into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. Don't forget this. What he's saying is when you are suffering, you are not outside or beyond the love of God. He does not despise you. He is not spurning you. He loves you and his desire is to comfort you and to be close to you in your suffering. And secondly, when you suffer, remember that Christ himself suffered too and he endured it. And if you are wrapped in him, if you have been baptized into him and belong to him, his perseverance can be yours and you can make it through this. I will often text people something someone once texted to me, and that is, you will not drown in this storm. You will not drown in this storm. I'll leave you with these words from 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. Because Paul says, he summarizes, he says, everything that's happening in this life, you got to remember what's coming later. Do not forget it. He says this, our light and momentary troubles They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me pray over you, church. God, would you minister to the hearts of those in this room who are suffering this morning, who have burdens on their hearts, physical burdens, burdens with their family, Burdens at work with their kids, God, would you minister to them in your abundant, abounding love? And would you enable them through your son, Jesus Christ, to persevere to your glory? And I pray this in his name. Amen.